It is Sunday, October 8th, 2023. I am your host, Matthew Barris, and welcome to Enter the Bat Cave. And this is Blade Month. We're, continu- we're continuing on with Blade Month here. And we are continuing on with Tomb of Dracula, issue number 6. Teen Return from the Grave. Yep. So, Dracula back from the dead, and he's back to wreak havoc. And also, before we get into the story, I did commentary on um, the the first Blade movie. Uh, You can uh, download the Wisdom app, look for me, Matthew Burris, and... uh, you can find it. It's uh, Blade Month 2023, um, you know, uh, commentary on Blade. So, uh, you can go find that. And now, without further ado, we're going to get right into the story. This is the Tomb of Dracula, Return from the Grave. Tomb of Dracula. The Tomb of Dracula. Return from the Grave. Marv Wolfman. Gene Cullen. Tom Palmer. Six hours ago. Who? Who are you? How did you get in here? The last thing Helen Cantler expected on the first day of her new job was to die. Oh god, no! Your face! Your face! <laughs> he swore that he wouldn't die. Return from the grave. Helen Cantler slumped quietly to the floor. She was dead. And the moving form that towered above her seemed not to care. Yet, why should it? After all, wasn't it dead too? And hadn't it lifted itself from a moldering grave to walk once more amongst the unsuspecting living? Yet it had a reason to walk again, a quest, a challenge to its existence. I had to break I'm sorry, it had to break free from the bonds of its chilling death. The safe, tucked behind a front of phony books and worthless knickknacks, the safe, for some an impossible barrier. For it, only a temporary obstruction, and one easily dispensed with. Now, for a brief moment, it studied the room, taking all the minuscule details into its empty eye sockets. And finding what it was searching for, it started for its goal. The safe was filled with papers, some important, some only sentimental. But there was one other lying 
and the other thing lying in the darkness. The thing it had searched for and now had found, placing its prize secretly in its pocket, the shadow speck from turn to leave, but found its way James Jackson, solicitor, and the man whose safe it just robbed. Helen, what in heaven's name did you do to her? The room was dark, but even through the dimness, he sought out the features of the intruder's face and his own blanched, stark white with fear, for James Jackson knew he had seen the face of death. Death, who moved with slow, deliberate steps towards the frightened young attorney. Death, whose body reeked of flesh decaying and maggots squirming. Ah! Death, who reached out to James Jackson and attacked. Jackson fell back with a sickening groan, but the thing struck twice more, knocking him senseless to the floor. And perhaps one could call it divine fate or providence, but before the third blow came plummeting down on him, James Jackson was already unconscious. Seeing the limp form below, it turned once more to leave. It had what it came for, and that was all that was important for now. Uh, next been, uh, next been snapped, Inspector Clown. The bloke woke, done it must have been bloody well strong. Strong enough to batter me about like a blinking soccer ball. But it was his face. You said it was, you said it looked like a skull. A smiling skull. More than a skull, Inspector. It was a Play walk in hell. I'm not complaining, you understand. But why he didn't kill me? Then I don't know. But I tell you this, Inspector. If he had a mind not to even all of you, the Scotland Yard could have stopped him. While. High Gate Cemetery shivers under the cold October rains. The ground is hard, packed but for the bodies buried, therefore, untold hundreds of years, the climate is of little importance. Rather, is only one who resides there who could care at all. Dracula, Lord of the Damned. I thirst, and this night is ripe for hunting, so beware, foolish mortals. Once more, Dracula lives. Ha 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 And where best to begin my prowling than here in the cemetery I have taken as mine and whom best to make my first victims this night than those two fools who even now try stealing the treasures from the sleeping dead. Take her there, mate. We got the time to take care. Bloke buried here was a rich one, mate, and is probably wearing his best Sunday jewels to show it. What a racket. Shivy, the dead don't need nothing, 
So we takes it from here. Shivy if he's got himself a ruby. Can I keep Shiri? Shiri's the body. It's mo moving. Are you going freaking crazy, mate? Let me look. Feel my myself. One brief moment. The smallest fraction of a second is all it takes to snuff the candle of life from the souls of Shivy Martin and Gordon Brown, grave diggers. And during that fleeting moment, one thought flickers through both their minds. There are none who will ever mourn from them. And for that, their deaths are most double painful. Yeah! What? That thing has loved my dinner. The very blood I need for life, for strength. Very well, damned creature. Enjoy your killing, but enjoy it with haste. For none may steal what is Dracula's without answering to his vengeance. But wait, the thing disintegrates and falls as ashes back into the graves. No, I cannot, it cannot be, I mustn't be robbed of my prey so easily. But there is nothing left to battle, at least nothing that lives. <clears throat> now, the only problem which remains is with the dead. Come dawn, there will be inspectors and others searching, probing for the one who slew those to human scum, but the trail must not lead to me. Horatio Tombs, custodian of the cemetery, hear my words and obey them. Your will is mine to control. Horatio Tombs, now rise. Rise from your work and heed my commands. On the edge of the darkling cemetery stands the small stuckled cottage of Highgate's keeper, and within it, Horatio Tomb's heads his daily ledger, a ledger listing all those who lay within its bronze metal gates, all but one. Rise, my slave, rise now. You have work to do, mischief to conceal. Bring both your shovel and spade, but be quick. I still thirst, and you may not be my query. Come to me now. 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 And bury those dead so none may ever find them while I seek my prey elsewhere. Westminster Bridge stands proud as it has stood for many decades. For each day thousands of tourists and Londoners alike cross the mighty bridge above the Thames towards Parliament and the central London districts. But this foul night, there are few who plod the rain-swept bridge, and already there are few too many. Marie Compton has planned well for her suicide. She left a carefully worded note, paid all her bills, and then took the slow walk to Westminster. She knew she couldn't face her parents, not after what happened, 
Certainly not after that. They had warned her about him, but she chose to ignore their words as foolish parental concerns. But this time, they were right. And because Marie could not admit she had to die, she looks over the edge of the stone railing into the black pitch waters when through the blue-green fog comes a man. Hold, woman. I'd wish to speak with you. No more than a man, rather a demon. The demon called Dracula. Marie Comte suddenly understands how wasted death can be, but tragically that understanding comes moments too late. And there is much to speak about, indeed. Ha 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 ha! While Mr. Arker, Inspector Chum of Scotland Yard here, Dr. Rachel Van Helsing gave me your number to call in emergency. I believe, sir, that your old nemesis Dracula is on the loose. Hmm. Interesting, Inspector. But it doesn't fit Dracula's pattern. I'm sorry, but I think there may be someone else you are dealing with. But if I may be one of any assistance. Minutes later, Inspector Chen, we've just received a report. Seems to be some major trouble down on the Coventry Street, sir. Bitterell thinks it may be your bloke, sir. <clears throat> A silent tableau. Though almost 30 patrons of Ye King's Pub look on, and not one speaks. None want to stop from the tall, bony form. As it shoves across a cobble stone street towards a tall, attractive woman. Indeed. Even Teresa Beer herself stands staring perhaps in silent terror, as the hand rips the marble stone locket from her and places its newest prize in its pocket, hopefully. It feels the woman will understand. But this is no time for understanding, for as it is shamed by their own nocturne, the crowd of the patrons close about the figure. Come on, you blisters. We can't let this thing attack our woman. And attacks. Fight them with sticks or bricks or even your fists, but fight. Henry's right. Get the bloody monster. He's only one. One to our many. But the thing's hand shoots out, and bone and cartilage crumble under its grasp. Henry Booney dies in that single moment. His face, a mass of bloodied flesh and pulp, in the crowd, now stripped of its cork slinks nervously from the thing that murdered their friend, while above, unseen by the frightened villagers, Dracula watches on, and having witnessed all plummets maddeningly to the ground, he still seeks revenge against this thing, this unholy creature who dared rob him of his evening's blood, and he will gain that vengeance now. Lord, no! Not another one! No! Like an avenging devil, Dracula crashes the thing beneath him to the rock 
strewing ground. Fool! Do you think you could steal what was Dracula's without battling for your very existence? But now you'll be made to suffer, for none have that privilege. There, you are wrong, Dracula. For even as your body smothers the fallen figure, it lifts you off the ground, only to effortlessly heave you through the king's pub window. <clears throat> but the thing with its marble necklace, safely hidden, leaves vanishing into the dark tide fog of London's night, leaving Dracula only to curse the ill-swept fates. Scum! How dare you manhandle Dracula, prince of evil, lord of darkness! For that you will perish one thousand times over, and you will suffer one million horrid hells. That Dracula swears, damned one, that Dracula swears, and I'll track you through the darkest nights, and find you in whatever hole you hide. For nothing shall stay the painful exultation revenge I'll have for you. Nothing! <coughs> but wait, sirens, the local Constabulary, Inspector Cham, they were two of them, one's gone. But the other one, he's trapped in the pub, sir. Quickly, man, point him out. Sir, there he is, running for it. Stand back, man. Dracula, hold. I wish to speak with you. You know me. Then you also know that Dracula waits for no human. Then I have no choice. God, help. What happens next? But I must stop you. Ha 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 No, no. The bullets have no effect at all. And even above the roar of gunfire can be heard the dark mocking reply. While far from the mocking laughter on a secluded stretch of land by the northern Irish coastline stands a pagoda not at all of garlic design. And though the structure stands proud nestled within the olive green countryside like a small dab of fantasy come true. It is, however, painted with a delicate hand of horror. It has been reported to me, Mr. Chen, that you have carried out your assignment well. I have only all you ordered, doctored. Son, let me see the specimen now, please. I have been assured that he is a vampire, Dr. Sun. That is correct, Mr. Chen, and he is totally under my control. You have indeed completed your assignment professionally, Mr. Chen, and you have earned my gratitude. Now you may ask for my services, and whatever your wish, it will be granted immediately. To serve you is enough for me. But there is something for my father. He is prisoner in China for more than 20 years. And always under the most stringent security. If anything, I would wish him freed. 
And so, Mr. Chan, he shall be free. You shall see him again before daybreak. Let us leave the dark, shrouded mysteries of Dr. Sun for another time. And for now, the action is with Dracula, who struts once more the mislanded grounds of Highgate Cemetery. Curse me for a fool! I search aimlessly for the skeleton beast in a city of untold thousands. When first I saw him here, buried deep in Dracula's domain. Here, this weathered gravestone is, and under it I should find my prey. Ah, yes. Someone or something is buried in here. The coffin has weight. And in moments, I shall see what all my senses tells me waits within. A few seconds to prepare myself is all I need. For if indeed the thing is still alive, I may need all my strength to battle it and pay it back for our little meeting earlier this night. Ah, there it lies in all its grisly rancor waiting for me to end its existence forever. What? I thought unconscious unliving, but it merely feeds its restive pose. But it matters not, not while Dracula has his strength, for none shall ever defeat him again. What is this? One forceful thrust, and it crumbles to ash. There is some force at work here that Dracula does not understand. Ah, perhaps this explains all, Paul Bear. I met him with many years past, when he asked me to join him on some sorcerous adventure. He was a mystic, a saintist, and I refused him, of course, but I believe he is the man we've been looking for duly. It fits the connections, even the reasoning. I'm, if I may, sir, it seems a bit... Uh, fantastic. Listen here, Dooley. Given that the first victim was not Miss Cantler, but her employer, Attorney James Jackson, who is employed by Miss Teresa Bear, coincidentally our second victim, whose husband Paul passed on recently and was buried at Highgate. Well, read this, Dooley. Concerning the old circumstances of this burial, it may be fantastic, as you say, but I believe I know now who our skeletal friend may be. Come quickly, Dooley. We may have our mystery wrapped away in a matter of mere hours. And bring the special gun for this case. We may need it. Bear House once a palace of wonders in the early 18th century, when Thaddeus became, when Thaddeus Bear entertained dukes, princesses, and even mighty kings. But now it has a mere shadow, a decreasing, a bit of creaking wooden shutters and swaying half-eaten beams. Age has treated this mansion badly. When last I was here, the room were flooded with moonlight. And now, even the shadows seem stifled in the darkness. 
but someone waits there. And I have reasoned correctly. It is Paul Bear, master of this decaying house. Do not bury him again. Yes, though time and death have decayed his features, there cannot be no doubt. This man is bare, and yet how he came here and for what reason, I'll still, I've still to learn. But there shall be time for that after I've buried him once more. But a few short kilometers from Bitter House, Inspector Chan, there's someone on the road. I see him do it. The fool. He could get himself killed out here. Blasted rains making it bloody hard to see anyway. Sutter, look, it's the thing, the thing. You're going. You're going to hit it, Swerve. On two wheels, the car turns, skidding headlong, directly into the large boonie from its swerve to miss, and sending it sprawling sideways into a rain-covered rut. Get on get on the phone, Dooley, and get help. I'll try keeping this thing here. But not even the silver bullets forged after Chem's last incident with Dracula could stop this new demon. Who stalks ever closer to the Scotland Yard inspector? Then, ah! stepping over Chem, it moves on towards Bear House to complete its mission there. And no human, no puny inspector shall prevent its deadly conclusion. But what? Twice I destroy you, and twice you return from the grave. And now, you perform that magic I neither know nor care. But this time, you'll not escape from anywhere, Miss Bony Foe. Suddenly, an arm, a skeletal fist of flying death, lashes out and smashes into Dracula, sending him sprawling backwards into the path of the driving rain. Dracula... Lips smile barely, his eyes narrow into hateful, vengeful slits, and he attacks. His own steel, tendon arms grabs that of the skeletons and Dracula yanks, fracturing and shattering the skeletal bones. Then Dracula attacks for a second time, smashing the beast's neck bone and sending the grinding skull spiraling earthward. One arm snapped loose, its head torn from it. The skeleton, stronger than any man or beast Dracula has ever fought before, battles on. Holding its ground and clawing at the prince of evil with its one ever-powerful hand. And as the reins pounce the reckless combats, the thing in one in one all-powerful lunge, topless Dracula into the mud-soaked earth below. No! But even as it hand, 
closest tight on Dracula's throat. From whatever hell spawn, oh, you're, f you're from, friend. You'll not battle Dracula and live. Never, never, never. The powerful blows are delivered with an English born with 500 years of living in hell. And they are blows which nothing can survive. Its backbone clivered in half. The skeleton crumbles once more, leaving only the constant rain to wash away its dying ashes. For there is a mystery here that baffles even me. Again it falls. Perhaps it shall rise once more. Yet now is not the time to ponder such questions, for the corpse must be buried, and quickly before the authorities can trace him back to high. Don't bury him. Dracula, you mustn't, eh? Trem, you dare interfere with Dracula. You must listen to me, Dracula. And then, if you don't believe me, you can do anything you wish to me. I can do that now, Inspector. But speak quickly. I will listen. You probably know the dead man as Paul Bitter. He died almost four weeks past. And that is when this madness all begins. Bear, besides being a wealthy man, was also superstitious. Before he died, he picked his perfect astrological grave site. But it was one already occupied by a man named Duncan Corley, who had died five years earlier. James Jackson, Bear's attorney, had Corley's body exhumed and moved to another cemetery. But through some mystic force known only to God or Satan, Corley came back to life as a skeleton stole bare from the grave that was actually his, and then went for Jackson's papers. But when Jackson's secretary spotted him, Corley, reacting more in fear than in anger, killed her. He then found Miss Bear, and in trying to explain his reasons ripped her marble necklace from her. You see, it was made from the marble of Corley's original tombstone. But of course, he was not understood. Do you expect me to believe such general inspector? Two years ago, I refused to believe in vampires, Dracula. I still don't understand, Inspector Chem. Why? Did it all happen? Why? It was almost elementary, Dooley. Corley wanted his own grave. He simply wanted to be left to die in peace. A smile across both the lips of Dracula and Kim alike as the Lord of Evil scoops up the broken bones of the man he had battled only minutes before and takes them to the buried in their rightful home. Yeah, to be buried in their rightful home. For Dracula understands the peacefulness of eternal rest, even if he can never touch it for himself. Next, Railroad to Hell. And I'll do it for this episode. 
And tomorrow, it is Columbus Day, but yet, you will still get an episode of Enter the Batcave. Yep. And we are going to look at Tomb of Dracula number 17, Death Rides the Rails. So, until then, peace out, bitches.